Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. And hello, welcome back to the Soundtrack to a Life. Chris is here. You can tell that because he is speaking. We're workshopping catchphrases. I haven't really settled on one that I like yet. <laughs> uh, Avery is back with me, and the two of us are talking about Black Sabbath's 1970 record, Paranoid. Avery, tell me about this piece of music. What does this mean to you? It's one of the first albums that I own. I got it as a gift. I think it was a Christmas gift way back when I was maybe 13, 14, around that age. And to have a physical album, I thought it was pretty cool. And then I listened to it, kept on listening to it, and I'm like, I know that song. And then hearing more and more of the album, like just fell in love with it. And that soon became my favorite album. And then just listening to it over time, still listening from then to now, it just brings happiness every time I hear it. So... I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, and I had never listened to a Black Sabbath record in my life. I was surprised to note that the literal only three Black Sabbath songs that I could name were all on this. Okay. Yeah. So this is like the main Black Sabbath one, right? Like I, I think this is the one that blew them off. Like they had an album before this, um, it was just self-titled Black Sabbath, and they uh, had tons of albums afterwards. This is their second album, but. Yeah, I think this is the one that caught more people's attention. Yeah, I guess I thought that they were lead-off singles to three different records, but it turns out Black Sabbath just fucking crushed it With one in 1970. Yeah. <laughs> they had a very good year. They did. The, uh, like, uh, you get... I don't know if it's true, but I heard somewhere Dolly Parton wrote Jolene and I Would Always Love You on the same day before her lunch. If you ever think you've accomplished things with your day, <laughs> I, I've heard of those songs because my wife is a big fan, but I'm not. That yeah, fan, so. but yeah, like all three of the biggest songs that they've done are on this record. I was surprised by it sonically. Um, heavy metal is a genre of music. It is uh, generally loud and brash and aggressive, and we convince ourselves that that is what heavy means. This is heavy. Like, this is slower paced than I expect okay. from this style of music, but it feels inevitable. I, I get that, yeah. Like, it is coming toward you slowly, but unstoppably. Yes. It is powerful music that is undertaking labor, and you can hear it that it's like, bear, it's like bearing weight. Yeah, and there's, like, that's, a, if you're feeling that way with the whole album, there's definitely songs on the album that are like that too. Just like that slow build up, and you know it's coming, and then it just crashes right into you. Yeah, and it's fascinating. Like it brings its own atmosphere. Like you feel drained by the end, almost. Like it's it sounds huge and looming. Yeah. Like War Pigs is a song that you feel like you're being bullied by. Yeah, yeah. As it like plays start, in a room, starting out with those sirens, and it's just like. It's sort of loud, but 
you don't get the music yet. Yeah. And then kicks in. Yeah, and it's interesting given how many um, different splintering subgenres within metal there are now, and the shifting attention that they pay to tune and technical proficiency and instrumentation and arrangement to go back to something like this, where it's just stripped down to the bare bones. Yes. We're just going to make the loudest, most muscular record that we know how to do. That was known to man at that time, too. Yeah, I could imagine in 1970 this much to have punched hippies in the face. <laughs> Which they deserve. Sonically speaking. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, what else was happening in 1970? Bowie hadn't been a thing yet. The... They still had the Rolling Stones. Yeah, the Stones, they, the Beatles. They were solid rock. Um, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the Stones, but I really appreciate what they've done and what they did. Yeah, the Stones are a band who, for about six years, from the late 60s to the mid-70s, were as close to perfect as any band that has ever been. And it is a shame that they have been going for 50 years and that people forget how excellent six of those years have been. Yeah, and I think that's what people want to live as some six years. 100%. Absolutely. I will never see the Stones live because I don't have $600 for Rolling Stones tickets. No. Baby boomers blew up our spot. They have so much money to spend on concert tickets. <laughs> and it's freezing the rest of us out on boomer bands, who we might enjoy, boomers. We might like your music better if you ever let us see them live. <laughs> I'm imagining Aussies the same way. Yeah, I had to spill a couple extra bucks when I saw them, but it was worth it because, like, being your favorite band, you have to. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. I did that going to see Depeche Mode. I told my buddy in Edmonton, we're getting tickets to Depeche Mode. Cool. Get me as close to the stage as you can. I'll get you back with cash next time I see you. Hang up the phone. Uh, I should have put a price limit on that. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. I need to see this band close enough that they are sweating on me. Yeah. I didn't get that close, but yeah, it was still, it was good because I saw Ozzy by himself. Well, not just himself, but this backing band, but then speaking of which, Zach Wilde's in town tonight playing Black Sabbath cover songs. Oh, nice. Yeah. And... I seen Black Sabbath with Dio playing, and that was awesome because I'm a huge Dio fan. Nice. Well. And I saw Black Sabbath with original members as well, except for Bill Ward. Nice. Yeah, I've seen them in different incarnations, or I've seen Ozzy, so I enjoy it, and I had to go see those concerts. So. Yep. I made fun of the culture that sent people out to see the reformed versions of bands. Yeah. Playing songs from 20 years ago. Until the bands that I liked 20 years ago started getting back together. <laughs> All right, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You're old, your favorite band's coming to town. I was real, real broke when I was 17 and couldn't afford to go to a show. <laughs> I'm going to go see them now. Nice. And yeah, I would imagine they would sound fantastic. They did. It was uh, top notch. You're an Aussie Sabbath fan as opposed to a Dio Sabbath fan? I, I'm conflicted. Yeah? I, I do like Dio. I'd say this is my favorite Black Sabbath album, but it's... Dehumanizer is a close, like, second. So, nice. And that's with Dio. So. Yeah, Dio is very good at singing metal. Yes. I talked about him on an earlier record. Okay. <laughs> but he brought me Holy Diver. I love Holy so, Diver. So, my first exposure to Black Sabbath was their other frontman's solo project. Which is kind of a backward way to get into it, but sometimes that's how life happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, Dio is awesome. Like, I guess Paranoid is 1A and then... Dehumanizer 1B. Yeah. If I can put it that way, so. I'll buy that. But this is like the first album that I had, so it's like, that's what brings up those memories, I guess, is puts just above 
anything else. Yeah, you absolutely never forget your first. I liked Planet Caravan. Planet Caravan. Planet Caravan is a really interesting proof that they don't completely know what they're inventing yet. Yeah, because it's such a different song on the album. Yeah, like we're doing a we're doing a psychedelic number for track three after two songs that feel like they might choke you unconscious at any moment, yeah. and you're listening to it going, "Oh, you don't know." You don't know that in 60 years there will still be bands trying to sound like this. Yeah. You have no idea what kind of cultural impact you are having and what kind of footprint you're leaving. And, and I think you're right about that because there was nothing like that at the time. Yeah. Like the big bands like, like, say, like Led Zeppelin at the time or the Beatles, Rolling Stones that we already talked about. I think bands were already trying to be that model. Yeah, that model was very successful. Yeah. But then... Black Sabbath was their own model. Yeah. Like, I, I think their first album is Black Sabbath, and then coming into Paranoid, it's definitely, you can see that progression, and they're almost feeding off their first album as well, because Black Sabbath, the first album, is so good, and then so different from everything else, and now this is still different than everything else, but it's still their genre, like their music. Nobody else is doing what we're doing. Yeah, and that they did it while enjoying actual success yes because like the other band from this period that arguably invented a genre around them would be probably velvet underground okay yeah yeah i can see that and while there are now hundreds of bands that formed because two people met each other what do you mean you're obsessed with velvet underground i'm also obsessed with velvet underground we have to form a band now yeah ain't nobody was buying velvet underground records while they were coming out they were selling like a thousand copies to a thousand people who then went out and formed bands yeah that's pretty awesome too that's awesome too but i bet if you have like a mortgage you would prefer the black sabbath method yes yeah because they were becoming very very popular as their bad albums and they're touring the albums that they have so and, and but i think that's also that time of the bands as well like you tour your album go in and make another album you tour yeah album tour yeah so. bands would record a year a lot more during this period and like frequently with great success because yes. of cocaine <laughs> keeps them going Just, well nobody should do cocaine but if you're wondering how did david bowie release a record every single year of the 1970s and they're all excellent well <laughs> not the next album but the album after i do believe it was uh, blacks have put out a song called snowblind it's all about cocaine so i mean that's how you would blitz through a 10-month-long tour that left you right back in the studio producing your next record without a day off. Going right back out on another 10-month tour. Yeah. The, um... Oh, I just realized. Half the people listening to this for the first time in 1970s were probably on LSD. That must have been an experience. And that probably would have been an experience if you're that messed up on LSD and then... You put on this album and yeah. you never heard anything the, like this. The before. previous thing you'd listen to was like James Taylor or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then this comes on, and then, you know, you listen to Paranoid, and then Planet Caravan comes on, and it's just like totally different. And you're probably a little bit wondering what's going on. Yeah, I would imagine a lot of people were very confused by this as it came out. Yeah. And then, boom, right back in the like Iron Man. So it's another straight <laughs> in the face. So. All right, we're back. Yeah. I listened to the 2014 remastered version of this record because that is the one that was on Spotify. Is it different? I, like, am I missing anything? 
I didn't miss anything because I've I've listened to the vinyl, I've listened to CD, and then this week again I listened to the 2014 remaster. Yeah, yeah. And there was a 2016 remaster, and I listened to them both. And maybe I'm not in tune too much to the actual minor details of yeah. music that I didn't notice anything. Good. I want to listen to the regular version of a record that was originally released whenever possible. I had to check because they sometimes are. Okay. They did for the Manic Street Preachers record, Holy Bible. When they did the anniversary edition on CD, it was the UK and American mixes of the record. Okay. Oh, there are two different versions of this. He mouthed, knowing full well that podcasting is an audio medium and people <laughs> at home can't hear me. Um, but, like, the American version sounds fuller and more metal. Oh, okay. And the UK version sounds sparer and more punk. I, I was going through my records to get this out, and I came across a Frank Zappa record, and I forget which one it is, but it's the European version. And you're just bringing it out now, and I'm just like, I wonder what you differences with that Frank Zappa album is with whether it's European version or American version. Yeah, like, I feel like that's an abnormal thing to do, but also, there's a non-zero chance that every record that I like exists in a very different form if I find universe. it in a different country. Yeah. And I want to listen to the alternate universe versions. That's what I'm thinking right now. Do I want to go try to find that um, other Frank Zappa record? Like, maybe I can find it on Spotify or wherever. So I can see the difference between the European or American versions. I'm assuming that all Frank Zappa records sound the same wherever they are, because Frank Zappa exerted a level of dictatorial control over his music, where he's not making it for different markets, he's making it for him. But that's why it intrigues me. Like, why is it a European release? Yeah. And how the hell did I end up with a European release? Found it secondhand in a place, if I had to guess. No, I think I stole that one from my dad's collection. Oh, nice. Well, he probably found it. Or maybe traveled to Europe. Your parents have rich and full internal lives. That I don't know about. That's frequently the case. I ran into a woman who I did a production of Rocky Horror Show with years and years ago. And her daughter. And we were making small talk. And she goes, oh yeah, I know Chris from when I was doing theater. And her, like, 16-year-old daughter, you did theater? And all (laughs) I said, oh, fun. I'm going to watch you realize that your mom is also a person. (laughs) (laughs) A thing that had never occurred to you until today. You're more than just mom? Yeah. Everybody's got their own shit going on. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of my vinyl are from countries that are not this because that's how I'll kill a down day uh, when I'm on vacation. Just trying to search for vinyl. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. We were in the UK. We went on the Doctor Who walking tour and then the Jack the Ripper pub crawl. On the same day, we were on our feet for like 14 hours. Chelsea woke up the next morning having truly, truly fucked up her feet and did not want to go anywhere or do anything. All right, dope. I'm going to go record shopping. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Yep. It'll kill an afternoon. I'm not doing something super fun that you'll be mad that you missed out on. You can have a down day. This is my equivalent of a down day. I'll come back with some weird 90s indie vinyl that I will never be able to find in Canada. And was it worth it? Totally. Nice. That entire trip was worth it. I went to see a bunch of concerts and distract myself from turning 40. <laughs> I came home engaged. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. That was a good trip. Yes. 
But yeah, like, the idea that this could exist in different forms is fascinating to me. Even, like, in the updated versions, records are produced differently today than they were in the 1970s. Oh, I could imagine so. And sometimes, for, like, classic rock records, they'll try to make it sound more like a contemporary piece of music, which I've never known what I felt about. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, if you like the Beatles, don't you want the version that they made? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I feel like Black Sabbath. I don't want a remix, I, like an offbeat remix. I just want what they made. Yeah. Although, for the record, I would listen to a remix album of Black Sabbath tracks. Just <laughs> <laughs> today's hottest producers. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that it would be good, but it would definitely be listenable. Yeah, I think it would be too. I'm just trying to think of how poppy that would be. Oh. And how radio-friendly they would try to make it. And, like, how do you make, like, Hand of Doom, how do you make that into a pop song? Like, <laughs> but they would try. Yes, yes. Like, there's a good chance that this is a train record yes. waiting to happen, but mm, I think I would have to listen to it. I would because I like the band. So. Yeah, you'd be real mad. You'd be real mad by the end of yeah. that record. Possibly, yeah. Um, with hindsight, I'm going to be completely honest. I wish that I had discovered this record before Ozzy got a reality program. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I can see why. I know exactly why, because it distorts your thoughts of him almost. Yeah, it really could. Like, he's a meme now, and he's an excellent meme, but I could only imagine during this period, or really any time before you see him in a nightgown and slippers shuffling aimlessly through his home, screaming Sharon. Yeah, that's the guy that's yeah. saying this? I can't feel threatened by you anymore. No. You are no longer a threatening presence. Whereas I feel like for this, he would have been a very threatening presence. Yeah. He sounds confident and authoritative, and he wants to sound powerful and confident and authoritative, and that he's working hard to pull that off, and jarring. Once you see the man behind the mask. Yeah, yeah. Like, once you see how the sausage is managed, eating it becomes... Less appetizing. Which is a shame. They shouldn't let musicians do reality shows, I guess is the... (laughs) yeah. And he opened the floodgates for all of them. He really did. There were some bad ones. There were some good ones. Salt and Pepper's show was pretty funny. I've never seen it. Um, it's it's a reality show about two people who used to be stars, and one of them mm-hmm. wants to put the band back together, and the other one's got their own life to lead. It's a thin plot. Sounds like it. Yeah. But the people are charming, and you kind of want to hang out with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have cable, so I don't watch... Mm, we got it with our apartment. Oh, okay. And by the way, every apartment has regular cable. Weird. That's definitely something that it would not occur to me to buy for myself <laughs> in 2019. Let's see what's on regular cable. I, I wouldn't have a TV to hook it up to. There you go. Not a TV person? No, we just our TV broke, so we never got it fixed. That checks out. We use iPads. We'll watch Netflix on iPads. Yeah, like everybody's using a streaming service anyway now. YouTube on a computer. My son probably doesn't even know what cable is. It's not a product that is required. It is spinning out the remainder of its shelf life. Yeah, it's something we get at um, hotel rooms. That's about it. It will either survive long enough to watch the number of streaming services <laughs> that exist hit the point where we all go, fuck this, I'm just going to watch regular television. <laughs> I don't need like four different streaming services to get my shows. No, and that, that's what it's coming down to as well. Everybody has their own. Yep. NBC is going to get their own one. And CBS. That'll be very successful because for some reason Gen Z kids are obsessed with The Office. I never watched it. 
It was okay. It was funny. There was a lot of cringe comedy to it. But, like, Gen Z kids weren't alive while The Office was. Uh, okay. Were people, when I was growing up, obsessed with the 70s? I feel like we weren't. <laughs> like, we knew who the Fonz was. But... We definitely know who the Fonz was. But, like, if we wore a shirt with the cast members from Happy Days on it, in the Happy Days font, you're going to take a punch. Yeah. <laughs> and Take that, Richie Cunningham. Arguably, you will deserve that punch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does Ozzy still do music? Um, he hasn't had any solo yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, I think he's still touring. Well, he was touring, but he, he got sick, so... That checks out. Yeah. He's professionally famous now. Yeah, when you're 90 uh, years old, it's probably... Is he 90? Like, I don't think he's 90, but probably up there. Close, My God. Close to 90. That man did drugs in the 70s, literally like he was Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. And he's going to outlive me. Yes. Good for him. He's going to outlive all of us. Whatever he does. Him and Keith Richards. Him and Keith Richards. And then after everyone else is dead, they will fight. Yes. And then the winner of that... Will be the ultimate rock god. That is correct. Keith Richards does elderly rock star perfectly. Have you listened to a Keith Richards solo record? No. First of all, they're pretty good. Okay. They didn't, like, change my life or anything, but I, I enjoy them the rare time that I put it on. But he just leaned into the fact that he is a 60, 70-something blues man. Grabbed a steel guitar and an acoustic guitar. Did stripped down records of blues music by an elderly person. Nice. It all sounds very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. It's yep. him in a nutshell. That is correct. He's doing his thing. He has nothing to prove to nobody. I guess Ozzy has nothing to prove to nobody. Yeah. He does not have to eat a bat. No, not anymore. Anymore. All of his bat eating will be purely voluntary. <laughs> <laughs> From now on. Hopefully. One would hope. One would hope. It would be a shame if... Uh, he, would, he would not be... He's one of the celebrities that I would not want to watch run out of money. I don't think he could. Oh. Well, yeah, you could. Anybody could. Yeah, anybody could. Leonard Cohen gave all of his money to Bernie Madoff. Huh. That's why there were Leonard Cohen records towards the end of his life. All of his money got Ponzi schemed, and now he's like, ah, oh, shit. I guess I'm going back to work. <laughs> I also don't think Ozzy has a lot of control over his money, probably, at this point, where Karen <laughs> controls everything about his life. That is probably the correct call. So it's probably good for him. Right? Sharon, of that couple, is definitely the one who I would trust with literally any responsibility. Yes. Sharon, after that, maybe some of the kids. The non-famous one. That is correct. Yes. The one who didn't show up on that show? Yeah. Good call. If your family's very famous and doing a show, don't be on the show. <laughs> you will not see the benefit of this, but you will see all of the blowback. I was very surprised, and I shouldn't have been, at how dark the lyrics are to this. Like, it is all war and isolation, and it circles around living with depression in a way that never quite has the language to land on it. Yeah, maybe the language wasn't there at that point. Too. Not in the 70s, I would yeah. think. I feel like we were very much... Like, I caught the tail end of just walk it off culture. Yeah. This was right at the height of just walk it off culture. Yes. Very doom and gloom lyrics. Not much brightness in the future. Yeah. And I was also surprised that between um, Iron Man and Electric Funeral, it was more science fiction-y than I expected, which is fun because most heavy guitar music, if they're going to do genre-inspired lyrics, go the uh, like Lord of the Rings route. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, almost like um, Three Inches of Blood or something. Yeah, yeah. Where it's more mythical and about creatures. And, like, those guys believe that there are wizards out there and they sing about those wizards that they see every day. So. Yeah, like, um, you can definitely picture D 
Dio charging into battle on a dragon. Yeah. Carrying a giant fuck off lance. Yeah. While exactly. Ho- Holy Diver plays. And it's fun that science fiction gets its shout out too. You could picture oh. Dio doing more of that than Ozzy. Yeah. For sure. Dio sounds bigger. Yeah. And yeah. Ozzy sounds heavier. Yeah, I can, I can get into that. I, I agree. Definitely um, Ozzy's voice when he sings is a lot, almost like you said, heavier. Or he probably manipulates his voice a lot more on a lot more tracks than Dio does. Like Dio is solid, almost the same type of singing all throughout the musics. But you see different Ozzy Osbourne on each one of these songs almost. Yeah, like he's bringing a real sense of character and personality. Yeah, exactly. To the songs. Which Dio also does. Like nobody in the world sounds like Dio. No, no. But that, then again, that's that unique voice. Yeah. Now, given how much of this record was about war, and given the fact that Vietnam was happening as it came out, is this a protest record? I never thought of it like that. I... Yeah, like, it doesn't feel like one. No, because they're not going against the war or anything like that. Yeah, but it is like a record about how war is bad that was released at a time when a war was happening. Yeah, now you gave me something to think about. <laughs> yeah. deeper into the album. Maybe it is. It'd be interesting to ask somebody like Tony Iommi or Ozzy about, about that aspect of it. I never thought of it. Yeah, or was it just that like the early 70s were so pervasively Vietnam-y well, I think they were that just, you couldn't make art that didn't maybe. reflect it in some way? They were singing about like the gloom of the time, like the doom and gloom of the time, and probably the war in Vietnam definitely influenced now that you're talking about it. can't see why it wouldn't. They were trying to scare people with their music. And what's more scarier than more? And what yeah. was going on in Vietnam? So probably direct correlation. Never thought of it that way. But yeah, you make a good point. Yeah, like this was Cold War period. We will never understand the pervasive dread that we could all die in nuclear fire tomorrow. Which sounds fine. I'm fine with that. I'm not saying that like it's a bad <laughs> thing. It sounds like it would be unpleasant to feel. But it has to have reflection on the culture. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like I said, I never thought about it, but the more I think about it now is, why would it not be? Yeah, because there is. There's a lot of material about war here. There's a lot of material about helplessness here. There is not uplift to this. This is not music that you're meant to put on and enjoy at a party. This is for you and a couple or three of your friends in somebody's basement talking about how things are. Bullshit, man. Yes, exactly. You are right. Like, especially Hand of Doom. If you don't know the song, you can tell by the name Hand of Doom. Like The title of the song itself is going to be pretty doom and gloom and more. Almost what you're saying, depression and how it's, it wasn't talked about then. But it'd be interesting go back to what you were talking about earlier. If today's artists or producers made this album now, how much of more would be in the forefront? Absolutely. Like, first of all, released into a culture where you can just talk about mental health issues. Second of all, released into a culture where there is the kind of connection that everybody could immediately... Like, you could release this album as is now, and a million people would fall on it, analyzing it on Twitter in real time, picking apart every possible detail, which is the best bar argument. Just pick a piece of art. Argue about what it means. The bar argument is a dying art form now that there is Google and you can just look shit up rather than arguing about it with barely formed and badly researched opinions. Well, what we we were talking about stuff a couple weekends ago when we had people over. I wouldn't even say it was an argument. We were just talking about something. They're like, well, we could go online, but let's just leave it as a mystery. 
That's exactly right. Ban phones. I don't want to know who was in this movie. I want to speculate about who might have been in this movie. Oh, was that guy that was in this other thing? That's yeah. what we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those that one guy actors. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, I don't know, I, I guess famous? Yeah. Like you see him and go, oh, it's that one guy. I love him in literally everything, but have not bothered to learn his name. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and he was in that movie. And it was good. Yeah. And that other guy was in it. I watched Harrison Ford beat him up recently. Yeah. <laughs> so true. He wasn't like the main dude that Harrison Ford put you know. He was like the second in command dude. Yeah. Uh, I will frequently listen to this new album. I will, I will frequently bring up the tracks that I thought were highlights. Okay. Individually. Unfortunately, in the case of this album, the highlights are exactly what you think. It's fucking War Pigs, Paranoid, and Iron Man, obviously. Yeah. They are genre classics. They are. And the, for a reason. Well, the original title for the album and the album artwork was War Pigs. So that's supposed to be like the War Pig. And then the studio decides to change it because War Pigs wasn't something that they wanted to put out. So that's when they went with Paranoid. That makes sense. Yeah. I see why the studio would take some amount of issue with big political stands like blowing stuff up is bad. <laughs> and how is that a big political stand? What have we done as a society? In addition to the fact that the highlight tracks are the exact ones you think, this doesn't feel like a band that you listen to for the hits. Like, this is not a, oh, I'm just going to buy a good compilation of Black Sabbath's zippy radio-friendly numbers <laughs> and then put them on at a barbecue. No, no. Music. No, um, I don't know if you just want to play two songs that you hear on the radio. Those are the ones that everyone recognizes. Yes. And rightly so. It would be a weird world if this had been radio music. But again, maybe they didn't know what they were going to be making. Yeah, they 100% didn't. This is meant to be appreciated as a single 40-minute piece of music, and it succeeds spectacularly at that in a way that breaking it down into its constituent parts only causes it to suffer. Yeah. The whole work as a whole is great. Yeah, you got to sit down with it. You've got to spend some time. Yeah. And it's not a bad time to sit down with it. Yeah, 100%. Was Ozzy ever on the radio? His solo stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, in the 80s when you left. Yeah, that checks out. That yeah, checks out. He had a couple radio hits, I'd say. Maybe not radio hits, but playable songs. He feels very MTVable. Yes, I'd say more MTV then. Because he did have some good videos, like Crazy Train was a good video. Um, no More Tears was a good video. So I remember those right off. Yeah, uh, but, yeah I vaguely recall the Mama I'm Coming Home video. Yeah, so sort of those uh, more easy listening <laughs> songs that you hear. Yeah, because he's always been, he's always struck me as a performer with a really strong visual sense, which I found fascinating because for this style of music... You don't have to. No, no. <laughs> like, it if, almost paints its own picture. Yeah. If this is just like four dudes with long hair wearing jeans and black t-shirts, that's fine. You can get away with that as a metal band. Yeah. Nobody's going to call you on it. Nobody is expecting like dancers or light shows or for you to wear a cape. <laughs> I think of any style of music, this is the one that gives you the most leeway. Yeah, I can see that. In how you present yourself visually. Yeah. Like, you can definitely show up in jeans and a t-shirt. You can also show up in platform boots and a rhinestone study cape and a codpiece. 
and somehow both of those things are equally metal. Yes. You look at probably more of like Rob Halford, what he's wearing, and that's like biker studded. Um, yeah, yeah. He dazzled some stuff. One hundred percent. He's heavy metal's leather daddy. Yeah. And heavy metal loves him for it. You can get away with pretty much any look. Exactly. I mean, Ozzy's just wearing black all the time, so it's like two heavy metal guys. Yeah. Totally different dress, but yeah, like whereas a uh, whereas like a dance pop performer is going to be dressed a certain way 100% of the time. An indie band... You'd have to wear the lift jeans. There is a... Yeah, like there is a certain... T-shirt of another band. ...style to it. And that's fascinating to me. I don't know what it means. I, I was watching <laughs> the Junos a couple years ago, and I thought all the bands on there looked the same. They all went to the same pawn shop, or not pawn shop, but like... Thrift store. Thrift store to get their clothes. It was all the same... Winter or toques and same ripped jeans, same plaid shirts that were ripped. And yep. I felt sorry for them all. I mean, they need to do some thrift store shopping. Welcome to Canadian pop stardom. You will be famous. You will not be rich. Canadian famous. Yeah. That counts. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Like, yeah. if, it, if you're happy making a living off that and it gives you a good life, that's not? exactly right. The hip did a great job of it. Yeah, they did fantastic. Yeah. Sloan's doing a good job at it. Sloan is out there killing it every single day. 5440 will come to your town. You will go to that show. Halfway through, you will realize you know every 5440 song. Yeah. And you did not remember learning them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which is kind of how this felt as well. Black Sabbath is not an artist who I had listened to a lot. They were not an artist that I had ever sought out. My taste in loud guitar music usually skews more punk than metal, but I still knew these songs. Like, this is just cultural information. Now, you have grown up in the industrial West, you will have a basic familiarity with some of the songs of Black Sabbath. Exactly. By accident. Yeah, and you'll probably, you'll know the big hits, like you said, Warpigs, Paranoid Iron Man. Like, they're in movies. So they're in mainstream movies, so you're going to hear them, you're going to know them, but you might not know, you're definitely probably not going to know Rat Salad, or Hand of Doom, or Planet Caravan. But like, a lot of them you're going to you're gonna hear in movies, you're going to hear on TV, somebody's going to put them on in the basement of a party. Yeah, exactly. And they're all good, solid songs, too. Yeah. So. No, they were excellent at this. Which I guess brings us to 45. Oh, jeez, that went quick. This goes quick! Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting process. Uh, this has been the soundtrack to a life, everybody. I'm going to close on... Three questions, because I close the show on three questions. You know that. You've listened to the show before now. Probably, yeah. I'm going to listen to Paranoid again. Paranoid is very good. Good. It yeah. turns out the Sabbath are a very good band. And that is why they are still around 50 years later for me to have to be told to listen to. Okay. Uh, I'm probably going to explore more Black Sabbath at some point. What's a good second record by these guys to get? If you enjoyed this, go back to the first one, just Black Sabbath. Nice. And then if you, you talked about Dio, make sure you check out Dehumanizer. Nice. That's a good album, too. So. All right, I'll listen to a Dio uh, Sabbath record. I found Dio solo a little bit goofy 80s. It is. But, like, in a fun way, in like yeah. a fun, chill, Dio, you feel like a ridiculous person. Dio Overdriver <laughs> is, is a fun album. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my friends, I can't take credit for this joke, but it made me laugh very hard when she said it. I like Holy Diver, but it moves a little bit fast for me. Like, we've just been introduced to the concept of a holy diver, yeah. and he's already riding a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as far as closing off the show, you're probably right. 
we're probably going to open and close on songs that people recognize. Let's say we're starting on Iron Man and we're ending on Paranoid. Nice, nice. This has been the soundtrack to a life. Follow us along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like us, share us, rate us, review us, give us only five-star ratings. Only the fivest of stars will do. Avery, plug your stuff. Find me wherever you find podcasts at the Mess Hall Podcasts. Um, I talk weekly to people about food. It's a fun podcast. I hope you leave hungry after you listen to it. So follow me on Twitter at the Mess Hall Pod and on Facebook at the Mess Hall Podcast. Fantastic. And we will be back in two weeks with a different guest talking about, if I've timed this correctly, a band that we've already covered on here, but with a different record. If I haven't timed this correctly, something unrelated and I don't know what it will be. <laughs> See you then. Bye.